Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Tom Scholes. Week two of European action saw a mixed bag for French sides, but at least there were a few bridges built uh, where they needed to be, at least. But uh, before we get on that and a look ahead at the league own weekend, here's the news. Monaco have put themselves in a spot of bother in Group G as they lost 3-0 to Porto on Tuesday night at home. Two goals from Vincent Aboubakar put the Monegasque to the sword, who now sit joint bottom of the group with RB Leipzig on a single point. Paris Saint-Germain saw both two Bayern Munich and Carlo Ancelotti's reign at the club by winning 3-0 at the Parc des Princes laying down a marker for the rest of Europe. In the Europa League, Marseille suffered a shock defeat away to Red Bull Salzburg after Munas Dabor scored with 15 minutes remaining. Nice continued their strong start to their Europa League campaign with a 3-0 win at home to Vitesse. Alassane Player scored a brace while Alan Saint-Maximan scored a quite brilliant goal to round up proceedings. And finally, just as we came on air, Lyon drew one all with Atalanta at home. Bertrand Traore scored just on the brink of half-time, but Paolo Gomez's free kick saw the Italians take a point. That's the news, but remember, for all the latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. Let's start this week with that win in the capital for PSG over Bayern Munich. And Adam, was this result a statement to the rest of Europe? Um, yes, I think it has to be. Um, obviously, Bayern Munich are not necessarily the force they were and the side that they ended up putting out last night for various reasons, injuries and rotation and, and Chelsea not being too happy with one or two players, um, meant that they weren't as, as a you know, as full strength as, as perhaps you might have thought going into the game. But nevertheless, they're still by Munich and the way PSG have performed against bigger teams uh, in the Champions League, perhaps less so in the group stages, of course, but in general, they've been pretty pretty flaky and they've been pretty easily got at in, in, in those sort of games on the whole. So it was really good to see them not necessarily dominate, but I felt like they were always in, at least in control of proceedings. It never really felt like they were under too much pressure, although Bayern had a lot of the ball in the first till the first half. Obviously, by that point, PSG were already ahead through Dani Alves. So I think that it shows that with the additions of Neymar and Mbappe and and you know, PSG are are a real force to be to be reckoned with going into the later stages of the competition. Um, I think one I mentioned him before, but the addition of Dani Alves is is perhaps underrated. I think he's a real warrior, uh, the type of player that PSG have lacked in in previous campaigns when they've been sort of emotionally frail and they've been they've been got at and they've collapsed as we've seen perhaps repeatedly by from them. And it looks like that's going to be less likely this season. So I think the fact that they were able to 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 pressure Bayern into mistakes and can continue to keep the pressure on and win comfortably, which is something they haven't really done against sides of supposedly a similar quality is a huge statement for them. And it, it says that come the quarter semi-finals of the Champions League, PSG are going to be in with a real shout of, of winning this competition. So great result, great performance overall, relatively simple in the end, after, especially after the second goal went in. Mbappe was fantastic. And uh, yeah, it was a huge statement from PSG and they'll, they'll, uh, they'll be there or thereabouts. Yeah, Adams briefly mentioned the man that was probably the star on the evening. And he, he loves champ the Champions League, it seems, uh, Tom. And Kylian Mbappe, we all know how good he is, but 
he loves this kind of occasion, doesn't he? He's a wonderful player. Every every generation, there's a there's a young player that comes through, and you know, but ten years ago it was, it was or, or longer it was Messi and Ronaldo, and everybody looked and just went these two, you know, especially Messi. They've got something about them. I think this generation we've got Mbappe, and every time he plays in the Champions League, and every time the spotlight is on him, and every time there is pressure on him to perform. He looks as relaxed as ever, and he delivers even more than I think people expected, because everybody now knows how good he is. The age factor's gone out the window. He's older. He's younger, sorry, than me. And that, on one hand, that makes me feel quite, you know, poor about myself. But on the other, it just shows how young he is. But no one ever, no one ever seems to mention it anymore. When he was first emerging, oh, this eighteen-year-old wonder kid. But now people are genuinely considering him as one of the top players in world football and I think that's testament to how well he's done and every now and again he comes through and he puts in a performance like he does last night and he impresses everybody and everybody goes away saying how good he is and how how, how far can he reach what's his ceiling I, I don't think he's got one yet and in all honesty, it's got a lot of people talking whether Neymar has stepped out of one stead at Shadow to jump into another one at the moment because of a player like that. And But it was nice to see Cavani and, and Neymar kind of strangely and maybe mildly, awkwardly make up every so often and have a little bit of a hug and now again, at least things seem a little bit more calmer on planet PSG and, and what, a, what a result to do, even though Bayern Munich obviously had problems as evident by Ancelotti sacking earlier today. But... Uh, a great result nonetheless. Let's talk about the the result that didn't quite go as league fans would have liked to see, and that's the somewhat of a surprise that happened in uh, Monaco as Porto ran out comfortable winners in the end. Um, Tom, was this result worrying for Jardim? And it was a, there were some defensive lapses. They seemed to be caught pretty easily by by the Portuguese side. Is, is that a worry? See, the thing is, I'm caught in two minds with this because on one hand, you look and go, a 3-0 defeat at home in the Champions League usually spells, you know, that someone's got to be done. Not necessarily panic stations just yet, but alarm bells will be ringing. However, I think you've got to take some of this Monaco team's performance, especially in a competition like this, with a bit of pinch of salt because they are quite a young team still. They've lost a lot of players, yes, but they've brought in a lot of other players. They're good players, but they've got to have time to gel at this level. Porto as well, they're not exactly an Applewell Nicosia or, or a Sesca Moscow. They're a team that are going to go for you. And you, Sometimes you know, with Portuguese teams, you never know what you're going to get. I think they put in a good performance against Monaco. And normally I would look at the performance of Monaco and go, oh, that's, that's a bit dodgy. I think you've got to look at something like that. But however, take it with a pinch of salt and move on and work on it and try and make sure it doesn't happen again and make sure it's just a blip as opposed to a recurring thing. I'm a little bit worried on this one because I always think that in the Champions League and any European competition really, win all your home games and you're probably home and dry and losing one can be pretty detrimental and there was a lot of worries. Glick got caught up on a couple of occasions for Abubakar goals. They weren't quite very slick. There was questions again about the formation. They used sort of a 4-5-1 again with Falcao as sort of a lone man up front with Diakabe occasionally linking up with him. But does he suit better 
being partnered by someone like Jovetic as he has in the last couple of weeks? Is that maybe a, an issue that Jody maybe should have seen coming? Perhaps. I think I think Falcao is, is used to playing up front on his own. He's used to playing as that, that lone striker. But he's into his 30s now and obviously he's had you know, some really significant injuries over the course of his career. And I I personally still think that he's able to play that lone that lone striker role. But perhaps it's getting to the point in his career where he can't do it as often as perhaps he or his manager would like. From Monaco's point of view though, I, I kind of do think they need to be a little bit more pragmatic. It feels like that last season they could counter punch teams really well. They were because of the players they had, the pace they had going forward with Silva and Mbappe and Bakayoko in the team, Mendy and, and uh, obviously Stevie's still there, but on on coming out from fullback, they they could really hit teams hard when they needed to. And it was almost like attack is the best form of defence. And their defence, although it was tested, was tested less, and it was tested less extensively and less it was sort of less under pressure for a, a shorter amount of time. If you see what I mean. So now they they can't do that counter punch kind of move they used they were doing last season and their invited teams are inevitably coming onto it a little bit more, which means that that defence is being found out. We saw how terrible Sadibi was against Nice, and Nice that Nice game was a was a very sort of a bit of a marker for this game because it felt like Nice and Porto are teams that can put Monaco under pressure. They can go and beat Dijon four one. That's fine because they can still get the players to to you know to overrun those sorts of sides. But when they got teams who can exploit the space created by their more attacking style and do it more regularly, then they're going to be found out. So I have a feeling that Jardin needs to kind of think a little bit when they play bigger teams to be a little bit more pragmatic. We know we can set our teams up to defend really well. Monaco, before last season, were pretty famous for defending pretty extensively. Um, and perhaps give um, Fabinho a little bit more help in midfield because without Bakayoko's mobility, um, it, it feels like he's a little bit... He's perhaps not... The, so him and Moutinho, perhaps, are not as... They're not putting up. They're not sort of affecting the game as much as perhaps they were last season. So he might need a little bit more support. Maybe go four three three, play Lamar in midfield or even out wide. Maybe give Telemans a few more, few more games and and put more faith in him. So I think there's an evolution that needs to happen at Monaco. I wouldn't give up on them just just yet. I do have. I have a feeling they're going to go out of this group. But I, I, like I said, I wouldn't give up on them. But I think it needs to be evolution because they have to. They have to sort of come around to the fact that they haven't got the players they've got last year. And although that's okay in certain situations in the Champions League. I have a feeling they might be found wanting. Yeah, the worry now is a double against Besiktas is not yeah. something you want to be facing when you. They look good, haven't they? Yeah. yeah, and especially that Vodafone Arena as well. Wow, what a noise they make there! That is not mm. a place. If you if you're used to the maybe mild mannered form of the Stade Louis de going going there <laughs> might be a quite the difference in ruckus and yeah you you make an excellent point there, Adam. Now with that double header ahead, I am worried about them. It might even be tough making the Europa League qualifying as well if, if RB Leipzig pull um, pull something out of the bag as well Let, um, as for the Europa League games really um, Marseille can't help but be Marseille sometimes can they Adam and it was another game where frustrated flat to deceive and they end up losing yeah yeah exactly I, I had I had a feeling this game might go in this direction I didn't feel like they were they were going to to get the three points here. They sneaked that one 0 win over Konya score at home, and they still, although they've kind of managed to, or at least Rudy Garcia's kind of managed to cajole his team to some slightly more stoic performances. They've grinded a few results out. They still look like a team for me anyway, a team of individuals. There's no, I don't know what their plan is really. I feel like 
that there isn't really a sort of a cohesive idea of the style of play. It's almost like give the ball to Payet and see what he can do. And if he can't do something, give it to Tuvan. And that again against against smaller league gun sides, that's going to work because they've got better players. You know, they're, they're, if you look at their first eleven, it's a very very good first eleven. But that that team, that eleven players, hasn't really coalesced into a, into a, an outfit yet, a proper team who who sort of you know can interlink and and work together effectively i actually watched this game with our austrian analyst at, at football radar and he was saying beforehand you know that marseille are going to win this easily aren't they because you look at their team you look at their first seven it's such a good side and i said i really didn't see it I, I kind of felt like that like i said they're a team of individuals and they very much haven't really worked out what their identity is yet we talked a bit about the champions the champions project um which is still a ridiculous title in in earlier podcasts and it feels like that that's such a hollow title. It's it doesn't really mean anything. And the the the, the project in general, which is a, the word project, is one I disagree with in general anyway. But the the you know the the philosophy of the club is a bit soulless at the moment, which is odd for Marseille because they're such a such a grand old old club and such a huge team. For me, the biggest in France traditionally. And it just feels like that there's there's no impetus. And that the team is just a collection of recently signed players who have either yet to gel or have struggled to gel over the last year or 18 months. And that really comes through in, in these sorts of games where Salzburg are a good young side. You know, they, they've scored some wonderful team goals this year. If, if you get the chance to check them out sort of on YouTube and Twitter, they crop up occasionally. So they're the kind of type of team that caused Marseille problems. And I, I just felt like it was unable to, as you said, Nathan, that Marseille would be Marseille not really be able to sort of will a goal into existence and perhaps, you know, lose on, lose on the odd goal, which is what happened in the end. And um, Manus de Boer, who is a bit up and down as a, as a forward, is very good in, in Switzerland, but hasn't been great for in Austria, had it could have, could have, or well, should have scored another, another time as well. So perhaps it could have been worse for Marseille. And I think Garcia's got to look at his team and not necessarily go out and sign players, but he's going to start moulding this, this team into a team and it's not one at the moment. Yeah, I suppose the positive for them is that group's still pretty close and all yeah. those games following are still winnable as well. Um, Tom, on the other side of that coin, Nice have been excellent so far in this Europa League campaign and they got another strong win with a 3-0 victory against Vitesse. Um, two goals from Alisson Player, which is nice to see, and, and mixing that with Mario Balotelli scoring goals in the league recently, Alisson Maximan chipping in every so often. Um, focusing on the on the main one, obviously they were in play with the double tonight. Is that something really for Nice to build on now? Is they they finally starting to be in a, having an attacking impetus and scoring goals on the regular? Absolutely. I remember the last time I was on here, I think I was quite critical of Nice because they didn't look as threatening as maybe they should have on paper. They have the players that you, that you look at and go, they should be doing well, but in in practice, they just weren't as as clinical or as, or as attacking. Uh, creatively as they should have been but today's game and some performances recently uh, in and around this game have kind of shown that they're growing together and you know players coming back and he, he, it's always nice when he scores because he's a personal favourite of mine I really enjoy watching him Balotelli's looking a little bit more involved and when he gets involved things for Nice happen he, he's a very creative player without doing much in that, in, in the sense of running and hassling in, in, in that regard. And Alan San Maximan, who he's always had the potential to be really dangerous. And I've always felt that if he's on form and if he's producing well, then the team around him does well. But the problem with, with was 
and I found that last season with him, it was trying to get the performance out of him and trying to get the the end product out. As for now, he seems to be adding the end product to it, and as a whole, Nisa's attacking unit seemed to do, seemed to be doing very well as today's game showed. Yeah, what I love about Sam Maxima now is he seems to be playing with a smile on his face for the first time in a long time, really. He always seems like a angry little individual sometimes when he was at Bastia and, and previous, but he, he does seem to be finally enjoying his football now. He's playing regularly. And the other team that played this evening on the on the later kickoff was uh, Leon, who drew 1-1 at Atalanta, and I was on watching duty on that game, and it it was exactly kind of what you expect from Leon at home so far this season. I think Atalanta did a very good job of making it hard, in, especially in those midfield areas where Fekir is playing, where Diaz tends to drop into. There was probably five or six players in that central area at all times for them this evening. And it made it very tough for, for Leon to break them down. And that a little bit of ingenuity from Fekir down the left got them the goal. It's probably just deserved on the uh, on the balance of play in that first half. Although Atlanta did uh, Atlanta had a very very good chance in the first half as well. Uh, header at the back post, and then Leon do what they always seem to do, which is when they get the leading games, they sort of think, okay, we can we can handle that now, and they allowed them back into the game. It's a it's not it's. Not the greatest challenge for Tete for the free kick that Gomez scores. It's it's a frustrating one again as well because it's a close free kick. It goes into the bottom corner around the wall. I always think a goalkeeper should be doing better there, or they might be. They should be more well advised that it's slightly wider out to the left. Maybe have a two man wall so you can see more of the ball because you can't. It seems like Juan Lopez should be saving, and he doesn't even dive at all, really, to be fair. He does seem a little bit too far over to his left. It's a frustrating one. And again, after that, Leon try and do something. Again, they never really seem to make anything happen. I'm starting to worry a little bit more about that front four as well, and we'll probably talk a little bit about them later. But I just feel like they're not quite clicking as much as I thought they would. We thought they were great when they were all gung-ho at the start of the season, but Depay's dropped out because he keeps losing the ball and he's not got any ingenuity. Traore seems to dip in and out of games. Diaz is, is slowing down a little bit. Fakir is, is struggling to really influence games as much as he has in the past. And, and it's frustrating. It's another frustrating draw. They'll, again, be happy that the news in Everton that there was a draw with uh, Apollon and Limassol, which keeps this group wide open. But those two games against Everton are, are critical for if they want to qualify now. Um, talk, let's go on to our league and games, at least this week now, that uh, Europe is in our review mirror. And we start with Paris Saint-Germain, who will be hosting Bordeaux in a pretty <laughs> tantalising affair that's happening on Saturday, Tom. Um, let's talk about the host first. Uh, they need a strong performance in this one after their draw against Montpellier last week. I think they do. I, I think the draw last week was... It was surprising because, you know, these are the type of teams, with all due respect to Montpellier, that they should be putting away with ease. So you look at that performance and you, you think, oh, maybe there's maybe there's a way to get, to, well, to not lose against PSG. Coming up against a good Bordeaux side who are on a good run, they're playing really well at the moment and they've got one of the best players, in my opinion, in the league, and Malcolm, uh, on, on going, going forward. But I think to make a real statement following the Champions League and to kind of show that they mean business, both domestically and in Europe, 
they need a a comprehensive and a strong win. It's it's it's, it's okay winning one nil or two nil against a good opposition, but to prove that they've got you know a power to to over to overwork and overrun and essentially overpower some of the better teams in the league. They need to. It's not good for the the competition, of course, but they need to do, to to demolish these sides. They need to, you know, really go for it if they want to if they want to keep people entertaining them in a way. So I think yes, they do need a big win, but it's going to be a lot harder than I think they, people might give them might give it. No one expects really Bordeaux to go there and get all three points, but they're going to give them a hell of a game. I'm really looking forward to this one, really, uh, Adam. And Bordeaux are on a terrific run of late. We talked about them on the main show, having been unbeaten so far this season. But I did have a quick look back, and they've not lost in Liga for 13 games. Um, wow. Is this probably where it ends, though? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Um, Bordeaux um, have sort of, at least as far as I've been covering, they struggled against PSG. They'd always put some good form together, and PSG would turn up and and give them a good seat, a good you know, a good good thrashing. Uh, I seem to remember a cup a cup game where they very easily won for four 0 at Bordeaux last year. But um, even if even if it does come into, come to an end, I don't think it's too too much of an issue for Bordeaux's season overall because they're third at the moment, which is which is great, and they can genuinely challenge for that third Champions League spot if they can keep everybody fit and they can keep playing the way that Josh and Gorvanek has has sort of got them playing which is which is you know a, a good achievement considering how they sort of very up and down last year and he sort of switched between 4-4-2 and 4-3-3 Jerry Menez was in the team and in and out the team and in terrible form and there are sort of lots of factors that you know weren't really going in in in, in Justin Gorvanek's favor so I think it, it's an underrated achievement to the to the standard which he's got Bordeaux Bordeaux playing. He's made some really nice signings, as we mentioned. I think Depraver was a favourite of yours and mine, Nathan. I, know, I think he's going to be a, a, a great a great player for them this season. Um, 15 league goals for Lille last year. It's incredible that Lille let him go. Apparently, they told him they, the club needed the money to sell him, which is bizarre. Um, Jonathan Caffrey is a good signing from, from Luda Garrett as well, Champions League experience. Octavio has come in, come in and done well. Lucas Laraga in midfield alongside him has done, done, done very well from Zuta Varagam. Yunus Ankari has been in great form. So, I, although I, I still think PSG are going to be too strong for them. This Bordeaux team are better equipped in general to challenge the the top, the well, the traditional sort of top three or four sides uh, in the league. And there's there's there is an argument here that says that Bordeaux can get something tomorrow, given the way that Malcolm's playing, and given given the way that Commando De Prevo Cafu can can really sort of they can really put some performances together and they've got a lot of talent and ability between between the four of them and they're you know they're relatively solid defensively as well so i think this is probably their 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 sort of best shot at getting some points from from psg since i think uh, a 2-2 draw when kevin trapp made two two pretty terrible mistakes uh, and on right always Saibe may have got sent off in that game as well sort of maybe two maybe three years ago they got a lucky 2-2 draw at part of france but since then uh, I think this is probably their best best opportunity to get some 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 points uh, uh, in Paris. I don't think they will, but um, this team is well equipped to go to go far in league and this this season, no matter the result on Saturday afternoon. Mm, let's get some predictions in this one, and I'll start with you, Adam. I'm going to say PSG three one. Tom, I'm going to go PSG three nil on this one. Yeah, I'm in, maybe going to be a little bit harsh, but I am still a little bit worried about that Bordeaux defence. They've been okay recently, but they've shown flashes of it being 
not excellent. And against a very, very dynamic attack, I'm I'm thinking it might be even worse than they fear. I'm going for 5-0 PSG. And it, it seems a little bit harsh on Bordeaux, but I, I really worry about that defence. Um, <laughs> again, Yeah, especially against the attack they're facing as well. And yeah. Moving on to Sunday, well, the first game on Sunday, and that will be Trois hosting Saint Etienne. And Tom, the away side showed their ability by coming from behind twice against Rennes in their 2 2 draw last Sunday. Uh, have they got enough to be in the conversation for the Champions League places this season? Um, I think in the conversation is, just, is their limit at the moment. I don't think they're quite there where they can, you know, actually be considered genuine candidates to knock out one of the one of the teams that I'd, I'd consider better than them but they're certainly in with a shout of challenging you know I don't think they'll get it but as you said I think they're in the conversation for at least European football and you know they're, they're showing resilience they're not playing bad however the other teams around them I think just have that little bit more and they might just have a little bit more to push them over the edge however like you said they're finding ways to you know not lose which is, is the fundamental of, of this of this game don't lose trying to win obviously but they're, they're playing well in, in in the regards that they're not losing so if that's if that's the biggest compliment I can give them so uh, I don't know but I think that within the conversation I think they deserve to to be mentioned at least a little bit. Maybe not as much as some of the others, but you know, they've got to get their name in there somewhere. But if they go on a good run, if they win games like this, which I think they they should and uh, I think they will, if they keep winning games like this and pick up points where they need to, then I think maybe they might be dark horses for it. You never know. They, I was actually quite impressed by that comeback against Rennes because Rennes have been decent in the last couple of weeks and getting those kind of results can be important for pushing for those Euro places. But they've, they face a Trois side, Adam, that have at least been better than last time we saw them when they were in Ligue 1. But goals are still an issue. They are. They are an issue. And I, I think um, that it's... I think they deserve a lot of credit, though, Um they, there are a lot of sides at the bottom of the table that struggle to score goals. And we talked about Strasbourg on the pod last week being a key example. Mets are going to struggle to score goals about Sheikh Diabate. And that, that that relegation fight is, this season and for many seasons, is characterised in Megan by a lack of a lack of inability to score goals. Um, but I think that's why I have qualities in other areas that they've that has sort of shown through in the last... Well, since they've been promoted, you're absolutely right that it's far better than it was than the last time they were up in, in, in Ligue 1 two seasons ago when they were an absolute shambles and it was a bit of a nightmare season for them. The win uh, over Mets last weekend was absolutely huge. I actually watched that game this morning, caught up with it this morning, and it was a game they didn't deserve to win. Um, I, they, I thought Renaud Carr had played pretty well for Mets and you know they, they had more opportunities. Matthew Deseri should have scored. Um, but um, I was, I have been and was very impressed with, with Sam Grandseer, who um, scored the winning goal. And he's been very, very, he's a very little washbish sort of player who buzzes in and out. He's very, very quick, quite stocky, quite powerful in his own way. And he's looked a real danger for them. And, and I was really impressed with his performance. So perhaps there's a, there's a revenue of, of, of goal scoring there, perhaps going going later into the season. He looked very, very good. Nice, nice and sort of confident finish to, to take the three points late in the game. But that that shows that that win shows that they have the character this time around. 
to win games like this against sides that they're going to be batting against, the drop against, if you like. Without Benjamin Neve, without Stefan Darbion, who for me are two of their two of their better players, Viz, Viz Carondo is the most experienced defender, was absent too last week, and they were still able to win. Okay, Mets are pretty poor. I'm, I'm fairly certain that Mets might finish bottom this season, but even so, three points on the road in Ligon is, is nothing to be sniffed at. And they, they after the selling off, to, to, it was a little bit lucky, but after the selling off, they can really, they can really sort of take pride in the fact that they, they held on, they defended well, and they, they look like a team who can compete this year. Whereas as last time they were in the league, they they were very much out of their depth. Um, not no fault of their own. It was sort of through, now, through financial issues they couldn't really um, sort of improve upon the squad that won league the season before. But this year they they look like a team that will fight. And um, for for a promoted team that's had some terrible league experiences in the past, as I said, that's half the battle. Um, whether they can score goals, as you said, Nathan is is still open to debate. But we've, hopefully Grandsir will get a few. And Adarmanian's got got something about him. Okay, he's only got one one or two, I think, so far this year. But in league, it's a very difficult league to score goals in. And if Grand Sernian get, I don't know, 15, 18 between them this season, that would be pretty decent for a, for, a, for a promoted side. And it might be enough to keep them up. So I'm so happy to see him doing relatively well and have some character and be, a, a, you know, a competitive team in this league. And it'll be interesting to see how they get on for the rest of the year. Um, hopefully they'll get Nive and Derby on back relatively soon and they'll, um, they'll be able to kick on. Yeah, it's, it's good that they're not going to be really the embarrassment they were mm. last time, at least. Let's get some predictions, and then I'll start with you, Tom. Uh, I think Sanetian will win 2 0 this weekend. I'm going to go for the 3 0 win for Santatien on this one. Twas lack of goals worry me against a decent Santatien defence, and this is the ideal game for them to get back to those uh, more interesting, exciting ways under Oscar Garcia, at least. Uh, Adam? 1 0 Sanetien for me. Classic Santetian score. I yeah, like it. it, is, it is. <laughs> um, well, uh, another game on, on Sunday sees Angers take on Lyon. And, and Adam, we've praised Angers quite a bit this season, but I, I was just looking back at their fixtures so far, and they've drawn five of their open seven fixtures. Admittedly, they do include results at, at Nice, at Marseille, at Santetian, and against Bordeaux. So they are good sides as well. But there are also examples that they really raise their game against these kind of sides. So is it this game against Leon likely to bring the best out of them? Yeah, I think it is. I, um, it's an interesting point you make that they've sort of played seven games, drawn five, only won once. And Angers are a funny team. They're one of my, as I re- repeatedly say on the pod, they're, they're one of my sort of, one of my favourite teams in the league. And they have a tendency to play to the level of their opponents a little bit. So they'll play against the bigger teams um, and you mentioned those draws against against some of the, the top sides. And they'll play fantastically in those games. And they'll keep the ball brilliantly well. They'll, they'll really compete with, with with supposedly a better side. Um, and some players like Thomas Mangani really stand out in those sorts of games. But then they'll come against teams perhaps, you know, especially at home, uh, against teams who are, should be below them in the table. You see Angers as a lower mid-table side, mid-table. And then you look at the, the game against Mets, Two weeks ago now, they, they, they're in the position where they're the stronger side, they're expected to dominate and they're expected to break a team down. And they struggle with that with that sort of scenario, if you like. And they could not break Mets down at all. Mets defended pretty well, snatched the goal, and there was little Angers could do about it. And that's that's a common occurrence. I seem to have been dropping some silly points at home to Lorient last year when they were fighting at the bottom over sort of over the winter. There were there were some there were some silly results like that, but then they then they'll go and draw nil nil with PSG. It's 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 an odd it's an odd state of affairs that they've got that they sort of they ha, they sort of got themselves into the way that Moulin sets his teams up. Um, 
I still think they'll be absolutely fine this season. And I think this, this game against Lyon is a classic Angers game where they can really get into one of the bigger teams. They can come to come to the um the Stade Roma Copper and which is which is quite a nice little stadium. It's quite compact. It can the, their fans are pretty good. They're sort of quite on top of you. And they'll really get in amongst Leon and really upset them. And it'll be a game that Stefan Moulin and his players will relish. And it suits them as well because they're quite a physical team. They like to get into the, the Leon midfield and set up. They like to score goals from set pieces. Um, Mangani and Santa Maria and Pats Koulibaly, if he plays, will, will keep the ball relatively well in midfield and, you know, keep keep sort of Leon at bay. And it's, it suits their style. So I think this game is, is perfect for Angers. They just need to figure out how to beat the, the weaker sides. Once they do that, they, they'll... Uh, well, they'll be they'll be a top half side, but I don't know how they can go about doing that. They they have such a small budget that it's going to be difficult to find players that are going to have the guile to break 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 sides down that that sit in against them. But even so, um, I, I, they're a team I really like, and this is a game that suits them. So it should be an interesting uh, an interesting game on on Sunday. Yeah, it'd be important for them to really learn that. I think for mm. the rest of the season, that, that might really stop them from pushing on from Europe, where they could be if they they could beat those. Uh, Weaker sides more convincingly. Uh, Tom, Leon were entertaining last week, as they usually are, but again, they conceded three for the second time this season. Is there still concerns about their defence despite their uh, entertaining attack? I think they has well, not has to be, but I think there's something that you have to look at and go, there's something not quite right with that defence. And I was just going through the, the, the squad of Leon, just as Adam was talking there, and it's a, it's a weird defence. It, it to me, it is anyway, because you've got I think it was a uh, Morel played centre back last night, and I'm I'm not fully convinced on him being a, you know, is he really the best centre back they've got to play? You know, I, 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 maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. But I, I look at that defence on paper, and it doesn't exactly fill me with confidence. They conceded three last week at home to Dijon. That's alarm bells as it is. They did get praised the week before with their performance against PSG. Yes, they lost 2-0, but it was relatively defensively stable up until a certain point, especially, you know, Kenny Tete. He, he got all the, the plaudits for how he dealt with Neymar. But as Adam was saying, this is a game that Angers will look at and they'll, they, might, they might think they can sneak something here because if they keep that Leon attack quiet, which at the moment, you know, as tonight showed against Atalanta, they can be, they can be stopped if if you're if you're well drilled and if and if you if you set up the right way against them. But they'll look at this game and they think they might be able to get something because that defense can be got at. It can be attacked and it can it can be vulnerable at times, as last week showed. And you know, sometimes when you look at teams and go, oh, what's the what's the defensive frailties? Sometimes they've not they've not shown any defensive frailties. It just looks bad on paper. Whereas this Leon team. They've shown defensive frailties, especially last week. And as good as they are going forward, and as as entertaining as they are, and as exciting as you know, we we may find them to watch them, especially certain players like Fekir and, and, and Mariano. Defensively, they're suspect, and I think it is a it is a concern, especially going into this game. And they they need to they need to figure something out because if Angers sit deep. And if they prevent them scoring, and if they nick one on the counter, that's an interesting game because it can certainly happen. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that RJ come out with this with all three points. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. The one thing that's struck me really about Leon so far this season, defensively at least, is 
how is Mukhtar Diakabe not getting a game? I don't know what might have happened, whether I know we had a, a little bit of a niggle at the start of the season, and but he's he's not been that disappointing. And he, he is one of their more exciting young defenders. And thinking back to the fact that they lost Mamana so easily as well in the summer to a uh, Senate, it does seem strange for Genesio to be consistently leaving him out. And Morel's had a decent start to the season in all honesty. He's probably earned that new contract, but it's astounding to me that he's not getting the game time given how much potential he has and how good he was last season. Um, let's get some predictions and I'll start this one. And I'm going to go for a, I'm going to go for a two one win for Angers. I, I think they might nick this. If, if they, if Mulan's watched this evening and he packs that midfield, Leon look really, really difficult to break down teams that have sat in front of them and f- occupying that space where all their attackers like to be. They really, really struggled this evening to score probably a little bit lucky to grab one themselves. Um, what do you think, Adam? Um, a draw. I'm going to say one all. Tom? I'm going to ask a second there. I think it'll be a one all. Right, on to the final game that's on Sunday evening, and that's between Nice and Marseille. Interesting tie, definitely. And that's Tom, <coughs> Nice's recent recovery somewhat stalled uh, against Angers, although obviously they've rebounded a bit this evening. Um, was this... Was that result on Friday last week a momentary blip or in what has been an excellent September with four wins out of five in all competitions? I think it, it, it was a blip because if they'd gone on tonight and if they struggled against the Vitesse side that, you know, we'd expect them to, 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 to be. If they'd have gone on tonight and if they'd have dropped points and if they got a draw, then I think we'd have a different conversation here of whether there's another problem at Nice, but they bounced back very well and they looked very good going forward and they looked very dangerous. And as we know, when Marseille play teams uh, in the South, just like they are, goals come. Goals are afoot on this one. I think what they missed last week was a central midfielder by the name of uh, Jean-Michel Selly. Because he wasn't, he wasn't part of it, and they looked a little bit lost. They didn't look as strong as they normally do, and I think when he plays, there's a different level to him because he really does add a different dimension in every aspect. And it was like we were mentioning earlier that you know Alan San Maximan, when he's on form, the team is plays a certain way. When he plays with a smile on his face and when he's happy, the team attackingly goes forward. But when Seri is on form and when he is in the mood, the whole team is completely different. So if he's on form, then I think Nice are in for a good year. As for this game this weekend, I think they're coming up, with all due respect to Marseille, they're coming up against an opposition that I think they could, they should be. You know, they're not Marseille... We mentioned it earlier. They've got this, the finger quotes up in the air here, project that they've got going on. But no one seems to know what's going on there. So I think Nice might look at this and, you know, if they attack them with pace and if they're direct with them, like they were tonight and like they were, um, excuse me, a few weeks ago, if they attack them with pace and they're direct and they get in behind a, a rather slow Marseille defence, I think they're in for a really good evening. Adam, things well, looked up for Marseille in the last couple of weeks, a couple of decent wins, but after the result tonight and the ones before, it, does it feel like those comfortable results against Damien and especially it's that 
inept real Toulouse side on uh, last Sunday uh, make them well, flatter to deceive a little bit? Yeah, I definitely think um, that those sort of two wins through and one against Konyaspor as well, they, those sort of three in a row now, excluding tonight, of course, they were crucial, crucial sort of milestones for, for Marseille, but only because they needed the points. They needed to steady the ship. And after the results against the 3-1 loss home to Rennes, which should have been much more than, than the, the scoreline suggests, and they were completely outplayed in that game, and all, of course the 6-1 thrashing at Monaco. They're, as I said at the beginning of the pod, they look like a collection of individuals rather than rather than a team. And it's really interesting to see how Garcia goes about moulding this team into a team. I think perhaps some tough decisions are going to have to be made. Um, we, we were talking about, previously, Tom mentioned about how slow their defensive and, and defence is, and that, that's definitely true. I think Patrice Evra is perhaps as, as, as disappointed as I am to say it. I think he's, he's way, way past his best. And he's, he's looked off the pace by quite some distance this season. And I think that we, I've sort of mentioned the pod, perhaps using him at centre-back or perhaps using him in a three at centre-back, which is an option. I think it's time that Amavi was made first-choice left-back and ever can continue his Monday Twitter cheerleading role. And, and be a, he's a very experienced player and he's, he's, great for, he's great around, you know, for the team and off the pitch. But I think perhaps he perhaps should be, should be marginalised a little bit in terms of the first 11 and Amavi should be given... That, that, that position, um, whether Abdenor can come back from injury after a terrible first game against Wren is, is, is open to debate and perhaps they need to be looking one to youth and perhaps they need to be looking at whether they need to be looking at the younger players around the league rather than going for this sort of big names, sort of retirement home for former French internationals and other big league and players like Abdenor, who was pretty terrible at Valencia. Um, and then you look at the midfield and it's really a real change to see Maxine Lopez has been sort of marginalised in the last last sort of month or so was left out completely of of the game last weekend and didn't didn't get any minutes of the games either side of that. And I think he's the one type of player that they should really invest in. Um only twenty years old, a great little player, got, got a great vision, a good range of passing, and is a good partner for for, for Luis Gustavo in, in that midfield. Zambro Anguis is twenty one, he's he's quite, he's a very bullish, got a lot a very mobile defensive or centre midfield player. That's these are the type of players that they should be they should be focusing on rather than players like Gregory Sertic, who at only twenty eight looks a lot older than twenty eight and has been caught out one or two times this season. Um, and sort of players that they sort of sort of collect from, from with, with with bigger names. I think they should be looking towards what makes the, what would make the most effective team rather than trying to cram all their their bigger name players into a starting eleven. Um, Metropolis is a good signing. Um, he was good at Benfica, despite what Fulham fans may may remember of him. Um, and I think he'll score goals in in Ligon. But it's still, how do they fit? How do they best? How do they fit the, their players into that team? And how do they get the best out of players like Maxine Lopez and, and Zambo if they're going to play them? So it's it's a it's a difficult formula for for Garcia, to, and it's a difficult thing for him to pitch correctly. But that's his job as the manager, and that'll be telling this season if if he can work out how to get the best out of this squad and put a faith in some of those younger players to complement some of their better players, that could be the difference between third and seventh. And and that's going to be his challenge for the rest of the year. And, and it starts with games like this, a game, all right, um, Nice are perhaps not as big a club as them, but it's they're on par and probably above them in terms of quality at the moment. And they're going to want to challenge for that third Champions League place. And I know that Garcia's sort of been given the to improve on fifth last season. This is a game they're going to be getting kind of tight again and you get points from. And it'd be interesting to see how he sets up, bearing in mind they're playing like a bigger side or more, or at least a better one. 
So difficult times for Marseille, I think, at the moment. Masked by those better, those sort of runners, runners sort of comfortable wins against sort of lower teams like Amiens and lose away from home are pretty poor. But we'll have to see how it goes at the weekend. But I think he's got a lot of work to do, Garcia. And I'm sort of thinking at the moment, if it comes to this, this stage next season and they're doing the same thing, will he still be their manager? I, I, I don't think he will. So um, interesting times ahead at Marseille. And I think they're going to have to find a team out of that collection of individuals sooner rather than later. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of players that I, I feel sorry for Sertic. I think injuries have absolutely yeah, annihilated him, I think, um, unfortunately. And you can't leave Patrice Evra out. He, don't you know how much he loves this game? He, he tells, us, <laughs> tells us every week. Um, let's get some final predictions on this one then. I'll start with you, Adam. I'm going to say 2 0 Nice. Tom? I want to go for a little bit more exciting and say Nice 3, Marseille 2. I'm going to stick my neck out on this one and say Nice win 3 0. And the ire of the Marseille fans sees Rudy Garcia binned. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, he's been so unconvincing to start the season. And the Marseille fans are very famous for being a, a little impatient, shall we say. And I think that <laughs> might just get Frank McCourt to think, well, let's try something different. We might try something different in the summer transfer-wise. So let's mm-hmm. get someone in to start something with the younger players, maybe. So, keep as much of the experienced ones that are working at least anyway and, and start afresh of this champions project air quotes air quotes um that's all that we have for this evening my thanks to adam tom and all of you lovely listeners um, there'll be no preview show next week because of the international break but do join us for the main show on monday but for now enjoy your weekend of football <laughs>